You're listening to the Ace Broadcasting Network. Hey, folks, it's Colonel Jeff Fox here, producer of This Week with Larry Miller. I'm here with this week's Larry Miller update. Larry's doing great. He's getting plenty of rest. I just got back from dropping off this week's batch of Get Well cards to him. He really enjoyed them, and he wanted me to say thank you. Uh, Bob Eckstein is a friend of the show and a great cartoonist. He sent in some of his injury-related cartoons made into cards, and Larry got a big laugh out of those and was reading the captions out loud to everyone. And listener Natasha Rogers sent in some magnets that she had made up with Larry's sign-off, and that was very sweet. And uh, Dr. Chris has one of those hanging up in his office right now. And a bunch of other people sent in very sweet cards. And anyway, it's very kind, and they all gave Larry a big smile. So thank you very much. And I wanted to mention that he thought Luis's joke from last week, uh, Luis had joked, we're going to floor. And uh, he thought that was really hilarious, and he wanted me to mention that. And I was so excited about the virtual greeting card, which almost 2,000 of you have signed, that I didn't even think to give out the mailing address. If you would like to send in a regular old-timey card to Larry, the uh, address, you can send it to Larry Miller, care of Ace Broadcasting, 10061. Riverside Drive, number 276, Toluca Lake, California, 91602. That's Larry Miller, care of Ace Broadcasting, 10061, Riverside Drive, number 276, Toluca Lake, California, 91602, USA. And uh, that'll give me an excuse to go visit him. Again, the virtual greeting card is at LarryMillerPodcast.com if you'd like to sign that or leave a get well wish there. Feel free to do so. At any rate, it's very kind of you all to take the time to send in cards and leave comments. It makes all the difference in the world. And speaking of comments, a lot of you have said that you miss our newly minted Poetry Corner segment, and several of you have written in with poems of your own, so I thought I would share some of those with you. Listener Fred wrote in with this poem, An ambulance patient named Larry took all the drinks he could carry. He said, Food at that place can't be worse than Ace, but their prices for drinks make me wary. Get well soon. And Tom Basiglia sent in a very long and good poem with a very complicated rhyme structure that I have, am unable to comprehend, um, not because it's bad, but just because I don't understand poetry. Uh, but I'm going to read it to you. It's called Falling on Head on a Clumsy Evening. Whose bar this is, I wouldn't know. It's close to my hotel room, though. T'would bend no law, t'would break no rule. To drink some booze and drop some dough. The evening weather, crisp and cool, attends me as I leave my stool and amble out to place a call where signal's clear as I'm no fool. Not hampered by the barroom wall nor auburn-colored bathroom stall, I stand outside away from snare on pavement poised and then I fall. In splitting seconds as I dare, I think how surely I'm aware that noggin's thumpin's worse, more stark, when pate meets fate bereft of hair. The bed here lulls like Cuddy Sark, but I must drive before I park, with episodes still left to bark, and hey, I'd love some Cuddy Sark. Nurse! Get well soon, Larry. Signed, Tom. So, since you're hearing me and not Larry, that means that Larry is still benched, which brings us to this week's Encore presentation. It's an episode entitled A Run-In with Keith Richards. This is another great episode that hinges on a story about Larry running to Keith Richards at an airport. And I remember when we were recording this episode, just thinking that line was so cool, and it was so cool the way that Keith Richards delivered it, and it was so cool the way Larry told the story. And I thought, 
man, I, I wish I was that cool. I wish I could deliver a line like that. And I, I wish I had a line like that. And, and I realized I don't think it's about the line. It's about the state of mind of just being as cool as Keith Richards. And uh, that's a pretty tall order. Anyway, enjoy the episode. And let's again toast to Larry's continued recovery. And on behalf of Larry and Dr. Chris, I hope your life is all right, too. Nominum quid geminis to one and all. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, and everyone who likes pie. Hi, folks, and welcome back to This Week with Larry Miller. I'm Larry Miller, but in a way, aren't we all? And there's so much to talk about today. And first of all, let's, as always, give a nice hand to our wonderful theme here. That's the Claude Thornhill Orchestra, as you well know, with Duncan Sticks, Wimpress on drums, and, of course, boy tenor Patrick Dobrynin asking the musical question, are you done with those fries? And the reason I loaded all that in there is because, number one, Duncan Wimpress's son, Gordon, sent a very nice letter to us, and uh, he asked if we wouldn't mind mentioning his dad like that. His dad is 89, I think was it, and uh, and used to play... Claude Thornhill was really was a big jazz, big band leader in the 40s, and he was great, and Duncan, Gordon's father, played with him, on uh, on drums and played with a bunch of other as as they they called them in combos and he was great and it's so funny that then Gordon wrote in the letter it's the last name is W I M P E W I M P R E S S which he said is pronounced like impress but he said uh, with the W and then he said but it's actually pronounced with the accent on the first syllable so it's wimpress which of course struck I think both Jeff and I. And in the sense of saying so, in other words, it's not at all pronounced like impress, uh, whether it has a W in front or not. But then it struck me that, well, it is pronounced like impress if you're Senator Claghorn or someone, some of those great old characters, especially Senator Claghorn was the motivation, was the root of Foghorn Leghorn, who became so wonderful, of course, on all the, well, you know who Foghorn Leghorn was. And still is, and will be forever. And uh, Senator Claghorn was a character on Fred Allen's radio show called Allen's Alley. There was a little segment of it where they used to have so many different characters, and oh, it's just a great part of that show. And uh, my friend Breslau and I, from elementary school on, we, we met in, in kindergarten. He and I, around seventh grade, joined a group called Radio Yesteryear. I don't know if they're still around, but there must be a thousand places where people get old radio shows. And we got Jack Benny, we got Here's Morgan with Henry Morgan, and we used to love the Fred Allen show. What a great comic and comic host he was. Had a wonderful voice. And, oh boy, that, that thing really came across so well. And one of his characters was Senator Claghorn, who had that great thing of putting the accent on the first syllables like... Like people, a lot of people from the South say that it's insurance. You got to get yourself some insurance, 
And it's such a bouncy, happy way of speaking. So that's what reminded me with Impress. Senator Claghorn, by the way, was one of those guys who would say, boy, they got great, great uh, jokes on that show. He'd say, well, now, Fred, it was always loud like that. He was always just too little. Well, Fred, I'll tell you what. I'm going to be driving to California. And then he would describe this giant route. He'd say, first... I'm going straight to California. First, I'm going up to Toronto. Then I'm going back down to Chicago. Then I'm going back down, back to New York, then back up here. And then it was all around the town. And Fred would say to him, well, Senator, why are you going in such a roundabout route just to get to California, just to get out west? And the answer was something like, well, it's the only way I can avoid taking that Lincoln Highway. And remember that joke. It's such a great old joke. To go all the way around the block for that. But at any rate, so Gordon was nice enough to write in, and he thought, he said his dad has actually never heard the show, but that if I mentioned Duncan's name, Duncan Wimpress, as he said, Duncan Sticks Wimpress, because he was a drummer, and he said he'd like to play it for him then, and, and it'd make him happy, so we're, ha- well, we're happy to do it here. And uh, and and I mentioned Patrick Dobrynin, because he's a... He's a friend of the show who just came by. By the way, that sounds so conspiratorial, doesn't it, saying he's a friend of the show? It sounds like wink, 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 wink. Hey, can I come in tonight? Are you a friend of the show? Oh, sure, yeah. All right, you know, a little sliding thing. I went to an after-hours club one night in New York City with a couple of friends who were comics. We were all baby comics then, and somebody suggested an after-hours club. We could drink for free at the comic strip, but we were... We were young and fancy free, and we we wanted to go to an after hours club. And they were and bars in New York were open till four o'clock in the morning anyway, so there was really no point. But so around four o six, you could go to one of these places, and they were all I think they're all mob places. That's, that sounds so stupid. Of course they are. They have to be. But they said, ask for Joe. Just tell him I know Joe. It was so stupid because my my friend who looked like an ad from the Brooks Brothers catalog. And he walked up. He was the one who knocked on the door. He's one of those guys who could be 73 years old and still look 10. You know, that's actually not a good thing in life sometimes. People just never actually get older. So he he had a high voice. He knocks on the door. The door slides open. And the guy actually says, it was like a movie. He said, yeah. And and he said, uh, we know Joe. And the guy actually said, yeah, I'm Joe. And then just slammed it shut. Now, what are we trying to get in on? We would have to pay at the time with like $10 for a can of Budweiser. And they had like crooked gambling going on there. There was no women to meet. There was nothing to do. But we really wanted to get in. But the, one, the, the, the only three idiots in the history of New York City, they wouldn't let into a place like that to spend their money and lose their money. Was the three of us, three, three morons. Joe sent us. Yeah. I don't think so, because I'm Joe. Slam. So at any rate, though, uh, Patrick was nice enough to come by. He's a friend of the show. And when he came by, he brought pies. He brought three great pies, a chocolate cream pie and a berry pie and an apple pie, four and a pumpkin pie. And uh, how do you like that? That's the only thing in life I remember. Jeff just and Chris both just gave me the thumbs up through the window because I remembered the fourth one. I can't remember the fourth anything. I have my kids' birthdays I can remember, and whatever pie Patrick just brought in. So anyway, Patrick is also a a drummer, and I, by the way, am a drummer, was a drummer. That's how I uh, made my living when I got started telling jokes. And uh, so it's just funny. At any rate, so we're we're proud to say to Gordon, I'm glad uh, you wrote in about your dad and... uh, 
and we're ha- happy to mention it. Before we do anything else at all, we have a new sponsor, and this is very, very cool. The sponsor is DraftStreet.com, D-R-A-F-T-S-T-R-E-E-T. I can't believe I had to look down to spell that. Dot com. And what this is, is it's an online fantasy sports site. And no, that doesn't mean you get to go out with Lindsay Davenport, who, by the way, that's <laughs> just for whatever it's worth. That would be my fantasy. Not Maria, what's her name? Even as cute as she is, Sharapova or something, or Karanova, or any of the Ovas. It's, it's <laughs> you know, which, by the way, God bless them, they're all gorgeous. But to me... You, and I don't know why she would care, but I always thought Lindsay Davenport was was just fantastic. At any rate, though, so it's not that. It's a fantasy sports site. You can compete. This is actually very cool, especially after Jeff explained it to me. You can compete against other players in daily and weekly fantasy sports games for cash prizes. Now, what you know... If you're into this, you know that if you're in a fantasy league of any kind, you have to go through the whole season. It takes a long time. Sometimes it's not at work. It sometimes takes months to prepare for this, and you're kind of locked into this. This you can do. You can join at any time, any time in the whole season, and find a league, and you can even play that day. There are lots of options, various sports, you know, draft style, scoring systems, a number of users, a variety of entry fees, because the leagues cost anywhere from $2 to $215 to join. Is that, if food comes with it, why would it be that much? No, but it's from $2 to $215 to join with prizes ranging from $10 to $2,000. There are free games, so you also, well, you know, you get your feet wet without risking money. Now, here's the deal, though. I actually think this is very cool. Most fantasy leagues are long-term, and an injured player can rule your whole season. And never mind what it does for him. I think it ruins his whole season, too, doesn't it, as a rule? But Draft Street offers short-term fantasy sports. And let's be honest, if you like this show, Dollars to Donuts, you know something about short-term fantasies. So think about Draft Street, and you can pick a new team and compete for a whole week. Here, here, Here are the main things. Draft fantasy sports leagues for cash prizes. They have baseball, football, Basketball and hockey, the entry free fees again, two bucks to two hundred bucks or two hundred and fifteen bucks. And when you when you sign up, you put the enter code Larry in there, and they'll give you a thirty dollar deposit bonus on your first deposit. Thousands of dollars they give away every night, and there's been over a million dollars paid out to date. It's pretty cool. You can join the leagues at any time of the day, play against users from all around the United States. Draft Street accepts all major credit cards and PayPal. I'll bet they do. But <laughs> but you know what? This is actually very cool. And you know what, folks? The truth is, it's very cool that these guys were very enthusiastic to be a sponsor of the show here, of this, of this week with Larry Miller. And I have to tell you, it's so gratifying. Each time I go on the road, I was in Dayton, Ohio last Saturday night, and we did really well. It's this one-man show. I always love stand-up, and I'll never leave it, but this is the one-man show I do, Cocktails with Larry Miller. Little League, Adultery, and Other Bad Ideas. That's the actual title. And it was a 1,300-seat theater. We sold 1,280 seats. And so many folks were there from this show, card-carrying members of the Larry Miller Drinking Society, which Jeff loves to say, card-carrying members of the LMDS. And so was Patrick, by the way. That's how he, he came in, and I gave out more cards. But it's so gratifying to have you guys come up and say hi 
after a show, and there are more and more happening. It's very cool. In fact, let me ask you a favor as far as that goes. I've mentioned this briefly before. Tell a friend, because you know what? We're really growing nicely, and in all things in show business, in all things on the Internet, in regular in network, in movies, it doesn't matter. The more folks you get, once you're rolling, once the energy is out there, it really makes a big difference. So it makes a difference to us over here. And then, by the way, Chris, of course, you know Chris Loxamana, can can finally get those braces for Chris Jr. So if uh, he's he's paid for the dancing lessons for little Shirley, right? But he needs he needs braces for Chris Jr. And uh, so at any rate, though, it really makes a difference. Tell a tell a friend. Folks come in and then they listen with their girlfriends or or, or with their wives. But you know what? Obviously, don't bring it up. It's it's so stupid, actually, when people say tell a friend. Why would someone do that? You know, uh, hi, how you doing today? Say, you know what? Have you ever listened to This Week with Larry Miller? It's just preposterous. But if the Internet ever comes up in conversation or people talk about podcasts they like, you know what? Tell a friend and get, and get them to try us here because it means the world. It makes a lot of difference. And... It really makes that difference with DraftStreet.com. If you like fantasy sports and if you like leagues and you do this and you have fun doing it, give them a try. DraftStreet.com, and then you can pop in my name, Larry. And by the way, in the, by the same token, if you're going to Amazon, and remember, you're going to buy anything on Amazon anyway, you can come to us first at AceLarryMiller.com, and there's a box to hit there to go to Amazon. If you're going to go to Amazon anyway, and thank you, because folks have said this when they come up after a show. If you're going to buy buy it anyway at Amazon, come to us first, and uh, and that's another sponsor that will keep going. So that's at acelarrymiller.com, and then you hit the Amazon thing. and Boy, that's pretty neat. So just thanks out there. You know what? Just thanks. And uh, we want to keep rolling for a long time. I'm just awfully glad you're there. And when I came back from Dayton this time, it was very, very late. And I want to tell you something about this because two things came up. One, it reminded me when it was really late one time. This is my this is my time when I met Keith Richards, although I didn't meet him. Keith Richards, I don't even have to describe Keith Richards. If you if you need to know who Keith Richards is, well, I think I think you need to stop. Turn this show off now and actually just read a magazine. Do something. But you've got to get you've got to get out there more. Obviously, Keith Richards is is Keith Richards, and I didn't meet him, but. It was very late at night at LAX, and I came back from a job. This is about 10 or 12 years ago. And, you know, they have these long hallways where the motorized walkway, it's, it's down there. It's not the ones in the airport going from gate to gate. It's down there. You've gone already down three or four long staircases and long escalators, and it's that last long one before you get to baggage. And there's one going one way and one going the other. It must have been about 1 in the morning, and... I was going one way. There was no one else in there. It's Gee, it seems like it's a 1,000 yards long, that hallway. And it's lit with the fluorescent lights, so you can see pimples from junior high, which is always nice. And then I, I was on my walkway, and there's no one else in the entire hallway there. There's no one on mine. There's no one on the one going the other way, going back towards the gates. And I'm so tired that I wasn't even walking on the thing. I was just standing there with my bag. And you know those walkways go slower then someone with a walker. You know, you can you can really beat that walkway, but I just didn't care. And normally I walk, and I was just standing there, just tired. And as I'm going along on the thing, I just glanced over the one coming the other way, and there was this really pretty blonde about 50 or 100 feet away. And 
obviously, you know, this is the way men are built. You know, you can, you can, in the middle of a swamp, in the middle of the night without a moon, from 100 yards away, you can just glance up through weeds and see a woman you think is pretty. And you can actually, you can say, just with that little information, men can just make a decision of, you can say, absolutely. It's the absolutely decision of just absolutely. And I just glanced at this woman and I thought, wow, she's really pretty. And, uh, you know, you don't want to embarrass someone. I will go out of my way to try to not to embarrass women. You know, I'll always get off. If, if you're getting off at the same floor in the elevator, I always just kind of walk off first. I'd normally let her walk off first, but I don't want her to think anything. I don't, I don't want her to think, why is this guy getting off on the same floor as me? So here I'm, I'm just glancing this this woman, this blonde coming this way, and I'm going the other way. So I just kind of looked away, and then about 50 feet later, I glanced up again, and I thought to myself, wow, she really is pretty. She's like really, really pretty. And then the same thing about 50 feet after that. This was a long way away. About 50 feet after that, I glanced up again and thought, wait a minute, hold on a second. She's like crazy pretty. She's This is like nuts pretty. And she was like wearing, you know, a jeans jacket or some kind of leather thing and and blue jeans and, you know, she and like uh, cowboy boots and carrying a bag over her shoulder. She was absolutely shatteringly pretty. And then when she got... Now now she's about 30 or 40 feet away and still coming this way. And I thought, I mean, it's just not even fair. It's, not, it's crazy. It's not believable that someone could be this. And then I recognized her. I said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, I know who that, that is. And it was Patty Hansen, the actress and model. And she's just gorgeous. And I thought, Patty Hansen, wait a minute. She's, don't, wait, she's married to And then I just glanced. I hadn't even looked. And... Ten feet behind her, or eight feet behind her with his bags, was Keith Richards, because that's her husband. And I'd been staring at her the whole time, and then I just kind of glanced as they're coming by, and he was looking at me and smiling, the nicest smile, the kindest smile, and as they were going by, I I looked and I just smiled back at him, and he said something that I still think you have to be as cool as him to say. As he's passing, he smiled at me, and I smiled at him, and he said, how's your life, all right? He said, how's your life, all right? I may not be good at accents, but he said, uh, how's your life, all right? And I just smiled even wider, and I just said, yeah. And then he kind of winked and smiled and said, uh, all right. And then they passed, and I passed, and I went to get my luggage and just go back to the off-site car lot. But I thought that was so cool. You see, this really, really pretty woman, a gorgeous woman, and then realize, oh, wait a minute, I know her. That's Patty Hanson. And then you glance behind and you have a... You know what? One of these days you may meet or I may actually meet that guy and we could chat, which would be fine. But you know what? In a way, I think that was the coolest way to meet him in the world. Which is to say, we didn't really meet. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he he knew me. And he didn't. He doesn't have to know anyone. I, I, he was just nice enough to smile. It's not that he knew. Oh, this guy's a comedian. It's that he was just smiling at life. And I thought, you know what? No matter what, what else happens in life, no matter what I hear, he writes a book. He does everything. I thought this is the coolest guy in the world to be that that joyous and just have that something cool to say to someone. I, I've never had a catchphrase to say to someone. You probably don't either. You don't. You have something where, when, whenever you meet someone, you, you don't automatically say, "It's good to see you. Good to be here." You know, no one has catchphrases like that. But for, the, for this guy to say, 
How's your life? All right? Yeah. All right. I thought that was pretty neat. And I was coming back, see, to do something. I wanted to tell you about this because show business is kind of cool. The little things in show business are kind of cool. And I had a part in something that finished yesterday where I got killed in the in the part, obviously. And here's the thing. Uh, it's a movie of Bobcat Goldthwait, Bob Goldthwait, uh, who's been a friend for many years and is a writer-director as well. And he's making a movie now called God Bless America, and it's a very dark comedy. And so I, I heard about it, oddly enough, from one of the track coaches where one of my kids goes. And the track coach came up to me and said, uh, hey, I think I know what your life is like a little bit because he said, I just had an agent call me and ask if I wanted to, this is the track coach, by the way, and ask if I wanted to meet on this thing that uh, Bob Goldthwaite is uh, doing a movie. I said, oh, how do you like that? Well, I should I should call up. So I immediately called my my manager from the track there. And they were very nice. They made an offer on a, this really, a part I really like. And so that's all dandy. That's neat. But it involves a death scene. And... As you and I both know, we're, we're movie fans, we're storytelling fans, and you know as well as I do that a great death scene in a movie is so gripping, so memorable. I'm not talking about something gross. I'm talking about, you, you know exactly what I'm talking about, when, that you remember great death scenes. And I don't mean necessarily the ones that go, I don't mean Sonny getting it in The Godfather, even though that one's great. And obviously so many things in The Godfather are great. So many, you know, uh, death scenes there. You know, come on. You know, drop the gun, take the cannolis, please. But there, you know what I mean by death scenes? Stephen Burkhoff, it just came into my head, the uh, terrific English actor, did a great death scene in one of the Roger Moore James Bond films where he was the Russian general who tried to get the nuclear war started. Octopussy. That's right. How could I forget that? The one James Bond name I'm going to forget? Let's see, I'm thinking, let's see, what, it was from Russia with love? No. No, you only live twice? No, no. Oh, what is that name? Octo, what is it? Octo, oh, good Lord, I can't remember. That would be like my parents, by the way. They used to have to help each other out, remembering, you know, who was that, uh, Greer, uh, what's her name, Carson? Yes, Greer Carson. They used to help each other out at a certain point in married life by remembering the names. They would have done that, too. What was the, it was Octa something, Octa, Octa, what, Octa Cat? No, Octopus, yes, Octopussy. Oh, yes, thank you. At any rate, Stephen Burkhoff did a great death scene where his eyes go up. You can see sometimes people, one of the reasons I've always felt the movie Ghost was so powerful to people. That was, of course, with Patrick Swayze, uh, who's, of course, now gone now, and uh, and Demi Moore, and Whoopi Goldberg was so great in that. But I always thought one of the reasons Ghost was so powerful is that in that movie, when, if you remember, it wasn't the love story to me, is that when people died in that movie, if you remember, they immediately were pulled down to hell, if that's where they were going. You could see these demons coming up, and you could see the looks on their faces as they realized what was about to happen. It was very powerful. Similarly, by the way, I thought the same thing with the Patrick Swayze part where he was just bathed in light, and he said, you get to take all the love with you. In fact, when he passed away, and he was very, very sick for a long time, I wrote, uh, I wrote a clog, an article on my website, because I thought, you know what? I really remembered that scene, and I thought, I'll bet he got to do that for real when he turned around and just said with such light in his face, you know what, it's true, you get to take all, all the love with you. I think, I hope it really is that way because you know what, 
That would be mighty nice. So at any rate, though, as you know, death scenes are really pretty cool. And in this one, I play a, a greedy guy, and he's not the best father in the world, and he's, uh, he's really... He's re- he really doesn't make money in the in very ethical ways. Naturally, I see it as the sexual center of the show. I think it, I see it as a very powerfully attractive character, but r- really, so it's not the be- best guy in the world. And I wind up getting killed, murdered, really. But the point is, they put on a squib on my chest. It was going to be one of those shots. You remember the Sam Neill death? That was a great one too. In Hunt for Red October, Sam Neill played. Sean Connery's friend, the executive officer on the Red October, the Russian submarine, and he was the one they have that scene. And Bob said to me something on on the set. We were talking about death scenes, and he said, when a character is really liked, and you know this too, when a character has already made people laugh or when a character has already really made people feel sentimental, when a character has really done something right, when the character dies the audience really feels something. The audience really feels... And if you remember that Sam Neill death scene from Hunt for Red October, the it's when he's already said, I, I hope I go to Montana, I, need, I will need two wives, you know, and he's they're just thinking about what they're going to do when they become Americans. And it's really very moving. And then when he gets shot and he sort of, sort of slumps down and Sean Connery rips open his jacket and you see that the bullet hole is right through his heart, and you immediately know, oh, that's it. That's it. He's finished. And then when the character dies, his last words, I think, were, I would like at least to have seen Montana. And his eyes just turn up a little, and he and he dies. And it's very moving, and you can feel, even though I saw that for the first time at home, you could almost feel Everyone in movie theaters just going, oh, because you really get to like him. So I really wanted to put all that into this death scene. And it's all right because things, a lot of times in storytelling, things slip by faster than you think they would. But that's not, you get to put a lot in it. And we started kidding around. I said to him, hey, you want to see my one foot? You want to do like an isolated shot where you see the foot shake and then stop? How about that? And then we, so we started kidding about that. He says, or he said, you could look right at the camera and say, boy, now I'm like really dead. But at any rate, that we weren't obviously going to do any of that. It's, I think it's a terrific shot because it's a, what's called a one which means it's one shot without any edit. It's one camera movement without any edits on a handheld camera. You know what a great example of a one is? And these take a long time to set up, hours and hours and hours, sometimes days. Do you remember in Goodfellas, that one long shot where they pull up, it's his first date with uh, Karen, who becomes his wife, uh, Lorraine Bracco, right? Who was, of course, so wonderful. She's great and everything was so wonderful in The Sopranos. But it's their first date, and he takes her to the Copacabana, and they have that one shot where it starts, they get out of the car, and she says, why are you parking here? And he says, well, it's safe. And he gives the guy a 20. And they go downstairs to the kitchen of the Copacabana. You know this shot if you know Goodfellas. And they go right through the kitchen. People are waving and picking up dishes and nodding and smiling at them. And then they go, it's a long, long walk through the kitchen. They finally get out through the kitchen door to the maitre d's table, who says, Hi, Henry, good to see you. And people complain, What about us? We've been waiting. One second, buddy. Here's two for Mr. Hill up front. And they actually carry a table down there. 
and they put it up front. This is when they bring a bottle of champagne. This is from Mr. Z over here, and the camera swings over, and these other mob guys wave, and then they sit down. That's where she says to him, what do you do for a living? And he talks to her, and then it, the shot ends by panning up to the stage, and there's Henny, Henny Youngman who's saying, but take my wife, please. And that's the, it's a beautiful, beautiful shot and really memorable. And if anything goes wrong along the way, well, you know, the shot is dead. So the point is, this was done. It doesn't happen a lot. But Bob wanted to do this as a wonder, which included my death. And then the woman, Dory, is a terrific actress, is playing my wife. And it's, it's, a, it's a death for her, too. And it's, in this, it's, another, it's another graphic way. But the point is, it's so cool. The reason I wanted to tell you this story was because show business things are sometimes just neat, just cool. I like to hear about them. And I really respect, more as much as any other part of show business, I respect the pros who not only set up gunfire, set up the squibs, set up the charges under your clothes to make it look real. When someone gets shot, obviously it's not really happening, but you buy it in the movie. Remember, like that Sam Neill death in Hunt for Red October, you see that blood mark. It doesn't have to spray all over the place. When you see that, Right in the center of his chest, you know, wow, that's it. He's gone. That's it. He's, he's going to die now. And the pros who set those shots up, the pros who work it with not only wardrobe, the pros who actually, and this was Dennis and Donnie, some, two guys I've known for a long time, and they did such a great job. And they set up the squib. They put it each time with wires and go down the pants and onto a charge. And it's just a part of show business I love. And then there was a woman there who handled the guns, and she wrangles everything. And I love in show business that before every single take, she walks over, because it's not a real gun. But it, of course, has to look real, and it has to sound real. And of course, when they do it in post and they put in all these effects, it's like, bam, you know, that's a, like a cannon. And she shows you every actor in it. And she goes up to you and says, I'm just showing you now. It's a protocol. They go through it every time. I'm showing you now. The clip is empty. These bullets are hollow. There's this. They don't go through. And then she shows you in the front of the gun. It's blocked. It cannot work. So it lets you act. But the point is they show it each time. Then she says, now, look, there's nothing in the clip. I'm opening it up here. There's nothing in there. Now I'm going to cock it, and I'm going to dry fire it. Watch. Click, and she does it again. Click, and she does it again. Okay. And it's so important because it lets you act without even thinking there's a millionth of a chance that something is going to go wrong. You don't have to have even a small head. But it's one of those things in show business that I haven't worked with guns a lot. It's five or six times. But you know what? It's so cool to me that these folks are such pros every time. And I just love it's one of my favorite things in show business. It's a, it sounds like a small thing, but it's not. It's really cool. It's really great that that wrangler comes up every time and says, okay, here's the clip. It's empty. And that's this before every take, not just setting up another shot, whether it's a one or a not. Before every take, as they're getting other people ready again, just before the take. And it said it takes a long time to set up the squibs again, to redo the wardrobe, to do everything else, to put it back. Because this thing, I'll tell you how cleanly this was done. I really wanted to take one of the shirts I was wearing home because I wanted to show the kids, hey, I got shot today, and this is how they do it. And, you know, I wanted to show that shot where it just, boom, you know, it blows out, and and there's, you know, it's a squib. And blood, they have different sizes. Sometimes it'll obviously splatter all over the place. But this is the one, they wanted one of those clean Sam Neill holes, so to speak. 
And you know how clean this was? These guys were so good. It looked great on screen, but they were so clean in setting it up that when I decided to take one of the shirts home, there was, say, four takes of this one and we decided, on, and they, they were going to of course, what are they going to do with the shirts? They, they, they blasted through. But it was so cleanly done that when I held it up, each one, it didn't look like I had been shot because the blood wasn't on it. The blood was in other places in the shot. But it was so cleanly set up by these pros, Dennis and Don, that it just looked like a shirt that you had ripped or that you had cut a circular hole out of or that you had caught on a hook somewhere, which, by the way... I'm fully capable of. But that's how good these guys were. And I knew I wanted to tell you about it today because it's, in a way, almost my favorite part of show business. Out of all the departments, with hair, makeup, wardrobe, lighting, everything that gets done, sound, everything that's so important, and obviously the director setting the shot and the writing and the words and the script and then the acting and the rehearsal, we rehearsed that shot for Three hours, four hours, so we could do it in one like that with all that camera movement through. And you know what? My favorite part of it, and as it always has been, in a way, is before every take, that woman coming up with the gun she was going to give to the lead and say, okay, nothing in the clip, nothing in the spout. You can see it's blocked. Even She just goes through every single time. Every wrangler on the set does it every single take. And I just think that's a very cool protocol in show business. It's one of the tiny things that I, I hope you find as interesting as me. And I knew I wanted to tell you about it today. So, you know what? For now, there's so much, always so much more to say. But I want to thank the folks, number one, everyone out there, again, that I want to just want to thank you. Uh, it's so gratifying to see you after shows. And by the way, on the 26th, I'm going to be at the Broward Community Center, the Broward Arts Center. Uh, the Broward something. I should know this, shouldn't I? It's not on the screen, actually. It's the 26th in Florida. at in That's uh, Miami, right? No, Fort Lauderdale. That's Fort Lauderdale. This is why I'm terrific at plugs, by the way. It's at Fort Lauderdale at the Broward Center, one night on the 26th, and then on the 27th at the Savannah Theater, which is in Miami at the Villages. So please come by, and that's with Cocktails with Larry Miller. It's very gratifying to see folks, and don't be shy. Come up Please come over and say hello. And that's why it's also gratifying to thank these folks at Draft Street. Again, draftstreet.com. If you if you love sports fantasies and if you love fantasy teams and if you love doing this, you know what? These guys were very enthusiastic about coming on the show here with advertising. And if you like this, I think they have a great idea. You can do it for one game, not just for a whole season. And if you like doing that anyway, give these guys a, a try at draftstreet.com. Dot com, and then you can pop my name, Larry, in there, and you get a $30 deposit anyway, uh, a bonus on your first deposit, and then we get, once again, a 64th of a penny, or whatever it is we get. And the same with Amazon, though. If you want to go to Amazon, hit Ace Larry Miller first, and uh, and then you can uh, click that banner for them and go on to Amazon, and then we, we get... Uh, that, that gives us two 64ths of a penny. Do you realize that's one thirty-second now? Folks, we're moving up in the world. No more day-old bread for us. And on the 20th and 21st, this is just for fun, because this is going to be sold out. I'm at Caesars Palace in Las Vegas with Jerry Seinfeld, and he sells the tickets there. And uh, But it's pretty neat, and our friend Barry Martyr is going to come by, too. But that's that's just for fun. That's just wonderful to be together with friends. This show's website is acelarrymiller.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at Larry, Larry J. Miller. But you know what? It's all there, and my website 
LarryMillerHumor.com, but it's all there if you go to AceLarryMiller.com. Just thanks again, folks. And as always, remember, if you walked out of bed today and you had a job to go to and a home to come back to and someone there who cares about you when you get there, folks, game's over and you've won. And that is the truest thing I know. Be well out there. God bless you. And just, you know what? Thanks. We'll see you next week.